Welcome to People with Purpose. So many people are looking for meaning, but they don't know where to start. Imagine a world where everyone could just get their purpose out of them and then actually make it happen. I'm David Roberts, and I believe that we all have a purpose, and with focus and a little help, people with purpose make a difference. And this show is where these stories come to life. So welcome to another episode of People with Purpose. I'm uh, very pleased to be joined today by uh, Simon Chan, who's a uh, business growth uh, specialist and author of The Consistency Pill, uh, which we'll talk about a little bit, and uh, also host of the the podcast uh, MLM Nation, which is now on over 700 episodes, I believe. Um, And Simon's mission in life is to have a positive impact on as many lives as possible. So welcome to the show, Simon. Hey, I'm excited to be here, Dave. Thank you for having me here. It's an honor. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, so what, what are you working on at the minute? What I'm working on, um, I have my business, ML Nation, is uh, business coaching for p- people in the direct selling profession. I have uh, memberships and also do one-on-one coaching. I also have some products and courses. Uh, and the rest of the time is um, I spend about 20, 25 hours a week on the baseball field. Probably even more than that, maybe 30 hours with my three boys very active. We work, I practice with them seven days a week. I just came back from a week-long baseball tournament. Got five days to work with them this week, and then another two tournaments next weekend. So that's my life. I I have a joke. I say, I have three boys. Two of them play travel baseball. Another one plays um, also organized baseball. So I have no life, no time, and no money. Just kidding. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's, that's my life. And then I'm in and I'm grateful for being an entrepreneur for my business to give me the flexibility to do that. So Right, right. Uh, so, and, and and today is a very, very special day. I don't okay. know, you you must have ESP or something you planned it out today. But today I did this in my live Facebook Live, my Instagram live uh, this morning was today is my 19 year anniversary. 19 years ago today, on November 14th, 2003, I got started as an entrepreneur. I busted out my credit card and uh, made a little small, tiny investment, charged on my Amex, and that started my business journey. Wow. Well, congratulations. Definitely a round of applause. 14 years. That's, br- that's brilliant. That's brilliant. So um, so what, what triggered that decision then? Well, it's well, first of all, thanks for having me on the, on, on the podcast because I actually talk a lot about it. You know, today I actually don't have my shirt. Uh, purpose is greater than money, right? Right. And I should, well, it's right here. You know, and normally I would have it on, but it's uh, I live in Los Angeles and normally it's like 70 degrees. And today is actually, you're going to laugh at this. It's a cold 59 degrees in my office. So 59 oh. will probably be, I don't know, 60 something degrees. And uh, we're wimps in Los Angeles. Anything <laughs> over 72 will cold. Uh, but I normally have a shirt. Purpose is greater than money. Yeah. You know, purpose is greater than money. And, um, but I actually don't have heat or air. Con- I have some heat, but no air conditioning in my house because we live right by the waters. Normally, pretty good weather. Um, but how I got started was I read. I was in a job and I loved my job. It was a low-paying job, but I loved it. And I was I'm a shy, quiet kid from Brooklyn, New York. I'm an introvert. I know when to turn it on, like right now. But normally, I'm Michelle. I have to do things myself. Uh, but I read a book that changed my life. Two books, actually. One of them was Rich Dad Poor Dad. And when I read that book, I was born and raised like the Asian background, like study hard, study hard, study hard, get a job, um, w- you know, work hard, get good grades and get a good job. And then, and that's my whole model. My paradigm was you work hard, 
you know, 30, 40 years later, you work at the corner office. Those are my mentors. Those are the people I looked up to in corporate America, moving up there. And then when I reached that poor dad, I was never even exposed to that idea. I mean, I went to a prestigious university, never even knew about passive income. I was like, oh my goodness. You know, so that's, this is how people really become wealthy. I never knew anything about business or anything. So that got me hooked. I realized I need to change my life because I grew up in the upper middle class uh, family. You know, my dad was, my dad was kind of rags to riches, grew up in the ghetto in Hong Kong. He moved to, uh, he studied hard, worked hard, studied hard, became a doctor, moved to uh, the States in the U.S. and uh, became very successful, had a private practice and everything, but he didn't have much time for me to do the stuff I wanted to do. And I was a kid that always loved sports, uh, baseball, basketball, baseball, my first love. You can see the baseball, baseball cards in the background. I loved mm -hmm. it. And but my dad never really could do it. He did his best and I, I'm grateful. I love him, but he was always busy with his practice, which he basically owned a job. He had, uh, you know, he had to go to the hospital, make his rounds and all that. So I said to myself, you know, money is important, but I didn't, in, in, in public school, I always went to public school, but I was like the richest kid in the public school, right? Uh, my parents were wealthy enough to send me to private school, but in the, in the public school, I was always the richest kid. And I was like, money's not everything. You know, we had like three Mercedes Benz at one time, but to me, as a kid, 10 year old kid, I just wanted to go to New York Yankee games with my dad mm -hmm. to play mm -hmm. ball. And mm -hmm. he was always busy. So, but I thought that was the life. And when, when I read Rich Dad Poor Dad, I was like, wow, you can actually make money and not work. Have money working for you, money coming in. So I was like, I got to find a way to do this. So I read his other book, Cashflow Quadrant. I looked into different things. Uh, I thought about doing a Subway franchise because uh, I didn't have any, no business experience, never sold, never had any marketing, no nothing, zero idea about business. And But the franchise fee was a little bit too high. I didn't know what to do. And then at the same time, I read, I heard about uh, this thing called network marketing, which I had no idea what it was. Uh, I thought it was actually marketing computer networks at the time. This was back in the early 2000, 2002, 2003. And then at the same time, I was like, I, I don't know what to do. I know I need to have a business. And I, at the stage of my life, I was also soul searching. And I read Purpose Driven Life and by Rick Warren. And Jesus Christ is a big part of my life. He's my Lord and Savior. God's a big part. And when I read that book, I found out, wow, this is what God wants me to do. Right? Like I'm a shy, quiet kid. I always enjoy mentoring and coaching others. Even uh, I used to not do it for business, but I used to do it for basketball, right? I you would take kids off, you know, did ran basketball clinics in Chinatown. I loved that. And it was volunteer work. I loved it. I will volunteer my church with the youth fellowship. I loved that as a college. Now realize, wait, that's God's purpose for me to have a positive impact. So which type of business could, especially I'm looking for something, will allow me to have a bigger impact? And when I looked at network marketing, the more I was very, very skeptical. The more I looked into it, it's like, this is not a sales business. If you really want to get a six-figure passive income, seven-figure, it's about helping others, helping others to succeed. And you can help way, way more people. And this is not a knock on Subway franchise, but you can help way, way more people through direct selling network marketing than owning a Subway franchise stores. Mm -hmm. So that's what I started. This is uh, in uh, 2003. I read Purpose Driven Life, went through all the 40 chapters. I always say this, God's purpose for me is to have a positive impact as many lives as possible. That's my mm -hmm. purpose. So I figured network marketing was the vehicle. And that's how I got started. On 19 years ago, on this day, November 14th, 2003, I got uh, I, I invested in a little package and got started. Right, 19 years. Sorry, I think I might have said 14 years earlier. But yeah, well, there you go. Double congratulations then. So but just, just, just network marketing then. Network marketing to some people 
just conjures up images of dodgy pyramid selling yeah. schemes and all that kind of thing. But um, what I'd like, it would be really helpful for you to kind of just explode the myths around that right now and just, just tell us what that actually is. Yeah, absolutely, because I was super skeptical. Uh, I actually read a bunch of books before I got started. So I'm like a very different from most people in network marketing. Most people in network marketing, they hear about it because a friend approached them and told them about it. Believe it or not, I was a person that no one ever approached me about network marketing. No one, no one. And um, and I always talk about it's about timing. Yeah, If you actually had approached me before I read Rich Dad Poor Dad, I would have said no, because I love my job, right? But no one actually approached me. I found out about network marketing from the Rich Dad Poor Dad books and also from the book with multiple streams of income by Robert Allen, good friend of mine. So network marketing is just like any industry. There's good and there's shady stuff, right? And network marketing, if it's done the wrong way, yeah, it's dodgy. There's pyramid schemes, so what? But there is also doing it the right way. And if you really want to have a purpose to have a positive impact as many lives, you got to do it the right way. And like, if you, you know, people say network marketing is bad. Yeah, there's a lot of bad apples, but it's the same anyway. But look, look at, well, right now we're recording this. I'm into crypto investing. FTX, the biggest exchange, just declared bankruptcy. They went from the, you know, the, I'm not going to say his name, the, the founder went from the golden boy to like, he supposedly misused funds to, for his own other investments, right? That happens everywhere, whether real estate stocks in any industry, or auto industry, cars in real estate industry, there's always some good. And so when I got started, it's like, hey, my purpose, again, this is my God's calling. I got to do the right way, not dodgy and stuff. And I always believe, you know, what comes around, I have to thank my parents for this, the values. What comes around goes around. If you want to be dodgy and scam people, it all comes back to you. And, mm. you know, since we're talking about purpose here, the purpose podcast here is success is not about money, right? Yeah, so you, so just say some people, they scam and they the millions. But do you think they actually go to bed and happy at night? Is that a good feeling? At the end of the day, can you be honest with yourself that you are a good person, right? Because ultimately, you know, when I was younger, uh, I did some video production. And this guy I looked up to, he's a famous basketball player, David Robinson. He was like a born-again Christian. And he won the MVP and stuff like that, all these awards. And they asked him, how do you feel? And, and what happened was he donated $15 million at that time, in the late 90s, to start these charter schools for inner-city kids in San Antonio. And they asked him, like, why do you do this stuff? And he said, at the end of the day, before you die, it's not about the MVP trophies and championships. Those are all meaningless. What matters is your relationship with God and the amount of good you've done in this world. If you haven't done any good, you're not going to feel good about yourself. So what's the purpose of living? Hmm. Right? So getting back to you know network marketing, there's the right way, wrong way. And I think that's why that, that's what drove me in terms of purpose when I like nine years, almost 10 years ago, when I started my second business, was to teach people the right way to do it. Because if you do network marketing the wrong way, yes, you're going to turn off people. You actually hurt the profession, hurt the industry. But if you mm -hmm. do it the right way, and, and then nowadays there's so many ways to do it wrong, but so many ways to do it right, you can actually lift up the profession and make a bigger impact on people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. So, so, how, so how do you go about doing it then? What sort of products and services do you sell in this way? And how do you go about making a successful network marketing business that, that, that fits your values? Well, the first of all, you got to have a really – be honest with yourself. Do you have a really sincere, genuine desire to help others? Right, so if I'm trying to recruit you, Dave, and, and I'm not active anymore, but if I was trying to recruit you just so I can make money, then yes, it's it's not, you're self-centered. You're already on the wrong track, right? But if I'm, I have a belief in a product, the belief in product is important. Belief in what you're doing that you can help others is important. But if I really believe that and having that foundation, 
to go out there and to help you, because I think this could help you, then you're on the right. That's the first step. Right? But I think a lot of people, they get into the things because they want to make quick money fast. And you know, quick money, often if it, it, people say, if it's quick and easy, it's normally not true. And even if it's true, it's not going to last. So if you think, oh, I just want to get Dave to make some quick buck, you're already, that's the wrong way of doing things. And then you, again, you see that in all other professions as well, the wrong way, right? You got to think long-term, genuinely help someone. So that's number one. Do you believe in the product? You believe in the company. That's got to be solid because otherwise, how can you actively go share, be sincere and help someone? Um, the second thing is you got to respect people where they're at. I think this is the big part of the profession, right? Um, respect people where they're at. It's like this profession is all about timing. Okay? I think network marketing, I always say everyone in network marketing will eventually, every person in the world will eventually join you, buy from you, be a customer or give you a referral. But in, in their life, even your life, Dave, my life, or sometimes you, you may not join me, you may give a referral, or you may help a friend buy a product. But the timing has to be right. And people don't understand that. So they I was like, they approach you, Dave, they want to recruit you, but the timing's not right. Or they want you to buy a product, but right now you're busy today. You can't, you got a lot of stuff going on, right? And they don't respect that. And they end up being naggy, 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 pushy. That's a big part of it, right? You have to say it's about timing and consistency. And the lot of things is don't be a commercial. Right, you are out there. You have to respect people. If they say no, it doesn't mean never. But just know today, you move on and talk to other people because there's tons of people out there who are hungry for opportunity. There's a lot of there's other Simon Chan's out there who's never been approached. Where timing is right, especially right now in the economy. Right now, people worry about the recession. They're looking for extra income. They're open, but you can't be bothering the same friends over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. So, um, what I'm interested in as well, from your point of view, is um. You've ob you've obviously created this business, and you've now got a lot of time that you're able to uh, spend doing the baseball stuff, so doing the stuff that you love. So, how have you got yourself into that position? Because another thing that puts people off from getting into these sort of uh, network marketing schemes is, is is the feeling that they've always got to be on it. They've always got to be online, always got to be selling. But how have you managed to to create that time for yourself? Well, to be fully transparent, I, uh, even though I started a second business. I still make a six-figure residual from the network marketing business I launched. And I think here's the reality is, and just like in anything, right? I think that people talk about work-life balance. There's no work-life balance when you're really building something. Right? Like an Olympic athlete who wants to win the gold medal, there's no balance in that person's life for the, probably the first 25 years of their lives. There's no balance. They work. Do you want to be the best? And, and actually, any business where you're launching, it doesn't matter, it's network marketing, or you want to start a restaurant, or you want to launch a closing line. There's no balance. You got to go all in. And now that doesn't mean it has to be like that forever, but be a certain amount of time. Okay. You really got to work it. Now, you don't need that much time in that we're marketing to build successful. I always talk about one and a half, two hours a day. It's not even about the time, it's about your activity. People sometimes get confused. I worked 10 hours, I didn't get, um, but what did you do during the 10 hours? Did you meet new people? Did you connect with new people? You got to do what I call the income producing activities, the DMO, the daily method of operation, right? You're working smart on those activities. And when once you start building a team, you got to also realize it's not about your ego. You got to delegate more. Once you find someone good, you got to be delegating a little bit and slowly build. So the reality is um, you People get into management mode really quickly. I think that's like a misconception that we're marking. Like, for example, I recruit two people. I recruit Dave and your best mate. And then they each on one of you going to get two and then get two and then get two. And then within one year, the whole world is in my organization. And I don't have to work again. 
You know, the reality is you constantly have to make sales uh, until you hit six figures. 90% of your time needs to be spent on your own personal production, your own personal sales. But once you get to six figures, then you can slowly let go of something. You magically will have other leaders, like other Simons come up, they'll pop up and start building. But you, you do have to pay the price. And like in any business, there's always a price to be paid. But uh, it's been worth it. You know, like it took me, my first two, three years was a struggle. Uh, I started hitting things at five years and then it just took off. But it, you do, just like in any business, you need to get to that critical mass point, And then afterwards, you can slow down. Mm-hmm. And in your book, you talk about uh, the fact that it, where you, where you identify actually the one key principle for success in pretty much anything as being consistency. So, so how did you how did you learn that? Well, it, I struggled for months. Like you know, marketing, I was definitely not an instant success. I made zero dollars for months and months. By then, I invested like over two thousand dollars, made zero dollars back because I I was um yeah, going back to mindset. I was a hard worker, but I was an employee mindset, right? So, meaning that if my boss told me to do something, I always do it. My boss didn't tell me to do it. I just had an easy day, a nice day, easy day in the office, right? Hmm. So in in when you work for yourself, especially network marketing, you see network marketing, the best part of it is you can make seven figures with only a couple hundred dollar investment. But the downside is because only a couple hundred dollars, you don't take it seriously, right? Hmm. So if I had a long day at work today, oh, I'm just going to relax and uh, maybe I just watch the tube and relax. But imagine that you invested a million dollars and you're building a side business, like you start a clothing line. On the side, while you're working a full-time job, you invest a million dollars in factories and inventory. doesn't matter how tired you are. You're not watching the tube. You're going to go and build that closing line, right? Yeah. Yeah. Same thing. So in network marketing, I think people just take it easy. Um, you don't need that much time, but you do need to stay consistent every day. And that's like an hour and a half, two hours a day, building, building, meeting new people, presenting. Because that is how you get good at something. Most people get started in network marketing is they uh, do a little bit, they dabble. And then when they get results, they're excited. When they don't get results, they 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 become results oriented. They love the results, but they don't love the process. Mm. I thought focus on activity. And for me, I didn't have that. No one taught me that. And my turning point was I had a mentor that came to me and was really really hard on me. Like again, uh, he's one of my best friends, Steve Schwartz. He was hard on me. I hated him at the beginning, but later on, he was the best thing that happened to me because he's like the guy, the trainer in the gym. You're working in the gym, you want it easy. He pushes you to hard to the point you're about to pass out, you want to throw up, but that is how you get in shape, right? And then every Olympic athlete has to train that pushes them. So that was my turning point. When, when I had someone to push me, a mentor, like every day you got to do something. Then all of a sudden I started getting results. I got better fast. My skills improved. And then I got better, better. Just like you, I, I was checking out your show, Dave. You have a lot of episodes. I'm, I, if you go back to your first episodes, probably not as good, but you've been doing this for so long, you get good at it. I always say the learning is not in like just the listening, listening, reading book. The learning is actually in the doing. The more you do it, you get better and better. You get better, better, better. better. It's just like cooking, right? If you were to cook something like, you know, I, I, I cannot cook at all, but I'll cook a cuisine. Like you would you don't come over to my house in LA, Dave, and I, I don't cook. What would be better for me to keep watching YouTube videos and cooking shows or for me to actually get in the kitchen cook, hmm. right? For me to cook, cook. Now, you got to cook. The second question is, Second question, and this is the part that a lot of people get that, but they don't get the second part is what would, so say you're coming over in two weeks, what would make me better for me to try out, cook up beef and broccoli Chinese, uh, maybe try out some um, Italian chicken parm, maybe on Wednesday, I'll do some uh, French, Thursday, I'll make a pizza, Friday, I'll make some tacos, Saturday, I'll try some sushi, 
Or do I practice making the same beef and broccoli for 14 days straight before you come? Which will make, which will pre- help me prepare a better dinner? Obviously, the same dish, right? I think so. Success is boring. The process of success can be extremely boring. Is doing the same thing over and over again because when you do the same thing over and over again, then you look into the sm- you can see the small little details, small little things that you're like, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, I can do this, and that is actually how you create. You become a master. You get good at good at something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Practice, practice, practice. So, what's the difference then between consistency and persistence? The way I define it is persistence is that I'm not going to give up. I'm, it's in network marketing, you see a lot of persistent people. I'm never going to give up. I've been doing this for five years. I haven't made any money yet. Don't mind, but I'm never going to give up. I'm going to stay in the game until I die. But they, they're not doing it every day, the daily activities. And they may attend trainings. They may read a book, but they're not doing the stuff that you really need to do, like meeting new people, whether in the street, offline, in communities, or on social media. They're not doing, again, the income-producing activities. Consistency is, hey, I'm going to go out there and keep doing it, doing it, doing it every single day. I guess an analogy would be like someone who wants to lose weight, who's persistent. Say, I'm always going to be on the diet. I'm going to go lose weight. I haven't ended my diet yet. I, maybe I cheat a little bit. Uh, I Maybe I take one or two, two weeks off, but I am still, I have a go. I'm never going to give up that go. But someone who's consistent, they're eating healthy and exercising every single day. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and you do, you do in your book talk about the importance of doing even even if it's feels like a stretch, just do a do a little bit, but do it every day. Uh, and and that that really resonates with me because because that's how you kind of kind of get yourself into building habits. And I think people do expect there to be some kind of magic eureka moment where all all you'll you'll do it for a bit and everything will work straight away and all that kind of thing. Uh, but uh, but actually, you have to go through a bit of pain first of all, don't you, to kind of yeah, get yourself into it. And it's about the small wins, right? I always talk about if someone really want to get in shape, they want to get in shape and they were, um, they never exercised and they just went to the gym. They drove maybe drive 20 minutes to go to the gym for five minutes only the wind piece workout and drive back home. Does that help? But he does it every day. Does that help? And then and people, well, some people say, well, it doesn't help. He's only working for five minutes. What type of ex- routine does he get? Ex- what benefit does he get? No, it absolutely helps because he starts seeing himself differently, mm-hmm. right? He sees that, well, I took all that trouble to do that. And you know, guess what? If someone's going to drive 20 minutes just for exercise for five minutes, and he's like, he can't take it. You know what? A month from now, I guarantee you that five-minute workout will be longer. Yeah. He's going to start loving that process. And like you said, the habits start developing. Mm-hmm. You become that person, right? You start giving more and more and more. And so like, if, especially if you were started off, I know we're busy, we're busy, but every day you got to do something to work on your business. Some, and the most important activity is marketing. Some type of things that can generate leads or marketing to your business. Whether it's reaching out to someone, one follow-up, doing a social media post, something. Um, one of someone that I looked up to, a mentor, he would do something for his business and he wasn't even direct selling. He was in a different industry. He did something for marketing his business every single day, 365 days. On Christmas, on New Year's, even on the day his mom died, he woke up early to do some, spend 20 minutes to send some message out. And that inspired me. So even like the, this weekend, I was on a baseball field for like yesterday. I was like there for 10 hours. I woke up early in the morning, did about 30 minutes of work, something to move the business. Because even though we know we may have unproductive moments, but never have an unproductive day, hmm. right? Do something. Because you start, even if you just did one reach out, send copy and paste and send one follow-up message, what happens is you feel a lot better about yourself on that Monday morning. That I did something. And how you see yourself, the mind's 95% of success is up here in the mind. How you see yourself changes 
and then we always act consistent to how we see ourselves. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that that perception of yourself can be really self-defeating, can't it? Or or it can be really, really empowering. And I guess one of the things that that I I sort of um I've read and that I believe and that I've practiced is actually if you if you if you can kind of have those beliefs and and then reinforce those beliefs about yourself with the way you behave, then that can actually help to generate some energy that keeps you going forward in 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 the sort of direction that you want to go in. And then the flip side of that, if it if you unconsciously allow your thoughts just to govern how you behave, then then you don't you you, you, you it takes you in another d- direction. Yeah, um, absolutely. It, it, it's our autopilot, right? It's yeah. the subconscious mind, our autopilot. And like that. Yeah. So going get back to it, you can if you're listening to this and just say you had a really really busy weekend, do something. Even if it's five minutes, because what happens just either five minutes, five minutes or something. It could be a small little thing of reaching out of marketing, right? On Monday morning, you know what you're going to say to yourself? I had a really crazy weekend, but at least I did something. Mm. But if you didn't do anything, you'd be like, oh, it's Monday morning. I got tons to catch up on. Oh, the weekend held me back. Now you're in a totally different mindset. Your approach on Monday is totally different. Yeah. And up here, we always act consistent to how we see ourselves. And I, 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 this is something I teach my coaching clients. It's like, Things always happen twice, first in the mind and then in reality. When you see yourself doing it, you feel a bit better about yourself. It's, it's like the guy who went to the gym for five minutes. He starts seeing himself as healthy. Only five minutes, but he sees himself as committed. Yeah. That commit, commitment and the habits will eventually get better and better and better. Hmm. And uh, some people say that how you do anything is how you do everything. Do you subscribe to that view? Yeah, absolutely. You know what? And I learned that the hard way. Um, hard way by trusting the wrong people in early on, because uh, yeah, I have no business experience. I knew some people did some stuff that I wouldn't, yeah, wasn't ethical, wasn't mine. But I, but it would help me out, make money. So all right, I'll go into a business deal with them. I'll do some agreement with them, and then and like I said, how you do something is how you do everything. And ended up I getting burned in the past, mm-hmm. right? So I, I always I teach my boys this: how you do something is how you do everything. Work hard. It doesn't matter if even if no one's watching, even warming up in baseball. Even if no one's watching, imagine a scout was watching. You throw hard. Because think about this. If you're not throwing hard during warm-ups, then when are you, when are you going to throw hard? At the game? Right? All of a sudden, you use that. How you do something is how you do everything. You see someone slacking off a lie to you, the chances are they're going to do that. To, if they do that to someone, eventually one day they'll do that to you. They, you see someone talk bad about someone talking behind someone's back, eventually they'll do that to you as well. Right, exactly, exactly, and and you have to look out for those little things, don't you? Because uh, I find that with um, it's really funny. I was I was on a run yesterday, quite a long run, and uh, and I at the start of the day, um, I was I was going with uh, with with a, with a friend of mine in the car, and uh, we were talking about stuff, and I said, yeah, people that complain, they really sort of get me down and all that sort of stuff. And then about halfway around this run, uh, like my knee started hurting, and uh, <laughs> and and I was like, oh man, you know. And he said, hang on a second, I thought we were going to be complaining today, so uh, so I kind of. So you have to, but it was great that he called called me out on it because I, I didn't really feel like I was complaining, but it was definitely going to turn into a complaint because I still had a fair way to go on this run, and I was I was saying about how how it hurt, and it helped me because it changed my uh, the voice inside my head was was not all oh, this is hurting is it, it was it was you can do this you know it was it was. Yeah. It, yeah, so so I it completely changed the way I spoke to myself, and I got through and I finished the run. So you know it, that kind of self talk really really helps. And you brought up a great point for in terms of consistency and success. Uh, I mentioned this in my book, the, the consistency system, the seven components. And the most important component, the last one is accountability. Accountability. Because if you, you know what? If you, you have a friend that obviously is like-minded, positive thinker, 
And if it wasn't for him, you probably would have complained along the whole ride, the whole, whole run, right? Mm. And then you wouldn't have maybe, you probably maybe if wouldn't finish that run or wouldn't have such a good run. But yeah. having that accountability, he was like accountability, but who caught you and then made you aware of that is, is extremely important. And, you know, how you do something is how you do everything. That was a big thing for me, too. I realized I used to complain a lot and I actually did things that, man, I, would, I wouldn't follow a leader like that. So if I'm doing it, well, I'm going to do it on this part of my life, but not every part. No, if I did in this part, eventually it's going to come at that part. It definitely made me a much better leader. It was yeah, yeah. painful to go through that, but made me a much better leader. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And how you show up is uh, is so important. So, so tell me about the um, the consistency system then, because because uh, because I'm, I'm interested in in finding out about that. And so give just people just give people a bit of a taste of what the consistency system is and the seven steps. Yeah, and you know. Everyone, if you're listening to the show, you have goals, right? You're a goal-driven person. Um, and every goal, and I think I would say most goals fail because they don't implement all seven components of these consistency system. Uh, and if you have achieved the goal, you have, whether you're aware of it or not, you have applied all seven. So the first, the first component is you got to have a checklist, right? So say you want to hit a certain type of income goal or uh, a weight health goal, relationship goal. Do you have a checklist of things you need to do, right? So just say you want to have a goal to have a better relationship with your spouse. What is that checklist? Do you make breakfast for her or do you take a walk at five times a week with her? What is it? You need to have a checklist. Business goal, how many reach outs do you have to do? How many social media posts? How many follow-ups? Number one is you got to have a checklist. Be really clear on that. A lot of people set goals, but they don't know what the checklist is. Like if you want to lose weight, I want to lose 10 kilos in the next two months. What is the checklist, right? Number two is, you have to, and this is the big one, you got to create and schedule the time because we're all busy. We never have time. If you don't create and schedule to work on that goal, you're never going to have time. It's like people who exercise. They, uh, if I ask them, when do you exercise? They give me a specific time. I know they exercise consistently. Hmm. If they say, I, uh, you know, like you, Dave, you probably know this. Uh, when do you run? I run when I have time. You know, that person doesn't run consistently because you're yeah. never going to have yeah. time. You got to block out. You got to go to your diary and block it off. Your calendar, block it off. Create and schedule the time. Number three is you got to determine the strategy. What's the strategy you're going to use to help you achieve your goals, right? If you want, whether it's weight loss, whether it's business goals, what's the strategy? And that strategy is going to determine your checklist. Number four is choosing your environment, right? Your environment, we are, we're the product of our environment. Um, if you want to lose weight and you spend time with friends who love to eat fast food, it's going to be difficult. Yeah. If you want to quit drinking, if you want to quit drinking and you hang out in the pub all day, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. If you if you don't smoke, but you all, you hang out with friends that all smoke, sooner or later you'll be smoking. Yeah. Right. And we're the product of our environment. If you, so if you want to take whatever, think about where you want to go in your goals, put yourself in that environment where people have achieved it already and they'll, they'll pull you along. Uh, environment, another part is music. Music is a big part of it. Um, and I list, you know, the certain songs that trigger certain emotions, right? Some of sadness, some of inspiration. Choose a song. You know, when I wrote that book, I listened to the same song over and over again. When I exercise, when I work out, I listen to the same song over and over again. In the environment, the music is a big part of it. Uh, number five, you got to track your progress. You know, the late Peter Drucker said, um, the late business guru, Peter Drucker says, what doesn't get tracked, doesn't get measured. You have to track your progress. Or the, how are you doing in your checklist? How many days have you hit? How many? How are you doing? Number six is using tools. You know, there's paid tools, apps. Uh, there is a free tools. A calendar is a basic tool. Every your calendar. If I 
want to see how successful you are, I just look at your calendar, right? How's your calendar? Uh, using a timer, creating urgency, because without a timer, we end up, and this is great for checking emails and messages. We can spend time checking emails and text messages all day, right? Or social media going down the rabbit hole. Set a timer. 10 minutes, I got to get through these emails. And that's something I do. 10 minutes, I got to get through these emails. If I don't, I'm not allowed to check emails for the next three hours. So that pushes you to go, 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 go. And yeah. the last one that we talked about it is accountability. You have to have accountability. Uh, without accountability, because we're all humans, I fall off. I have a coach, I have an accountability partner that keeps me focused, that takes us, that helps us stay consistent. Yeah, brilliant. Definitely fantastic steps there. And um, I'm really interested in the, from your point of view, how you apply them to 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 your to your life because it sounds like there's there's some stuff in there that's kind of daily routines uh, and then there's some stuff that kind of plays into bigger picture type stuff so so do do you have um like a plan or a life plan or 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 a bigger picture type plan that this these seven steps work in the context of for you that is an excellent question you know i don't i have a ton of short term things right i don't really have that big i'm not a big big long-term, long-term things, because I've discovered like a lot of them, the long-term, it never turns out the way we expect because it's like the, you know, the Steve Jobs, the famous speech at Stanford. I'm sure you've seen the commencement, seven dots, right? The dots, the dots will connect. You never expect, you may have an idea of where you want to go, but it's really hard to point out these uh, seven components for that big idea. You don't even know what uh, was going to happen, but instead focus, you want to get to where you have a general idea. Focus on micro goals, right? Small goals. So, for example, in the next year, where would you want to be? Mm. Sure. And then you break that, that, that down to six months. And then you break that down to a monthly goal, a quarterly goal, even quarterly goal, a, a, a weekly goal. That's something I push a weekly goal. And something, so every week, um, I, I'm, normally on weekends, I plan out, Mondays, weekends or Monday mornings, I plan out my week. And then something that's really helped me out is daily goals. So if my weekly goals, I got to get to do this, I set a milestone. By Tuesday, I got to get this. By Thursday, I got to get this. By Friday, I got to get this. And then during the day, I do that every, before I go to bed. I check out how am I doing. I plan out my day. And then you can take it to the hourly go as well. So something that I do, uh, like I take morning naps all, all the time. I wake up at 4.50. I do a live video. And then by 9 something, uh, normally around this time, I take a nap. So hopefully okay. I'm not putting people to sleep. But yeah. <laughs> It's funny. Most people at 9 a.m. they go to work. It's not. It's like 9 a.m. here in California. At 9 a.m. I take like a third. 9:30 I take a 30 minute nap. But right. before I nap, I set my goal. Once I wake up for the next hour, what are the three things I need to do? And I gotta get that done before 10:30. So mm. I nap. So when I'm sleeping, my subconscious mind is actually working on those things, right? Um, so and then you know we burn out. We take a break. I maybe I go out to the backyard for five minutes or walk my dog for five ten minutes. And then while walking my dog, I think, hey, when I come back, and I call this huddles, like consistency huddles. It's kind of like in sports, you take a in basketball, you take a time route, you take a huddle. So you take a huddle, say, like, how am I doing my goals? And what are the exact things I need to do the second I go back? So once I, the old me would be like, hey, once I walk my dog, we'll check emails, check messages, check your phone. No, I'm merely attacking those three things for the next 25, 40 minutes until I start getting tired again. I got to take another huddle. Just doing that, will help you become way, way, way more productive. Yeah, yeah. And I totally agree with the whole concept of, um, for so I don't take a nap during the day, but but for me, if I haven't lined it up the night before, 
then um, then I'm in trouble because uh, yeah. the first the first thing I'll do is the notification will go off and 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 then and then all of a sudden like you said an hour has gone you know and uh, and that, and for me as well that is the most uh, powerful time of the day for me because I wake up energized ready to go and that's my kind of high energy get stuff done and get the yeah. important stuff done so if I waste that time then basically that day is never going to be as productive as it could have been otherwise yeah no and I think something also I learned to be helpful to the listeners is um, and I like, you know, I apply this from sports, from baseball, it's like pitch by pitch, win the pitch. So it doesn't matter what happens to your rest of the day. Your day could have been terrible morning, terrible afternoon. But right now, how can you win the next 30 minutes? All right. And maybe sometimes I'm really tired at night. I was like, Hey, how can I win? And my mind is scattered. How can I win the next 50 minutes? In the mm. next 50 minutes, what can I do? I just win this 50 minutes. And I don't care about what has, what has what's happened before. Just when we win this 50 minutes, if I win, I set a timer on my watch, on my Apple watch, or what you can use on the phone. Time's up. Okay, I won that 15 minutes. Go take a break and just go win another 15 minutes. So you're just squeezing and push. You do little very short micro spurts of productivity. Yeah, that's really good advice because quite often uh, you can get into a situation, if you're not careful, where... You know, but oh well, you know, I'll, I'll do it. I'll, I'll start again on Monday. You know, I've, I've I've messed it up today. I'll start again tomorrow. Whereas actually, you probably can if you're disciplined with it, and if you really, really want it bad enough, bring that time forward to say, okay, right, five minutes time. I'm going for twenty minutes, half an hour, and then I will feel better about it. You know, I don't have to wait till tomorrow. Yeah, and even if you can't do fifteen minutes, win five minutes. You can always <laughs> win five minutes. Yeah, just win yeah. the next five minutes. Do what you need to do. Do what you don't like to do. Go win that next five minutes. And I do this a lot. Like I take my boys to baseball practice. So sometimes I watch a little bit and sometimes I work in the car. And often just in the evenings, I'm tired. I just say, hey, you know what? Let me just win the next 10 minutes here. What can I do 10 minutes? Just stay focused and get this done. And after that, I feel better about myself, mm -hmm. right? And when, again, going back to how you feel, you feel better, then I can win another 10 minutes. Instead, mm -hmm. like you just sit there on the phone, surfing, whatever, and you're like, oh my God, I just wasted a day. You don't feel good. Just win the next five minutes. Yeah, yeah. So I've got to ask you, um, what what's what's this tune that gets you revved up then? Uh, I'm sorry, what team? What what's what's the music, the tune that you, you were talking about? Music. Oh, okay, so I have different music for different things. Okay, right. So if I am um, about to speak, like I'm still, like I said, a shy, quiet Asian kid. Right before this, I'm like, oh, what's going to happen to Dave? What's going to ask me? You know, I've not spoken over ten thousand times, whether it's on a podcast live presentations on stage or business presentations or live videos. I've done about thousands of live videos since they started in 2016. I still get nervous, but my go-to song is Thunderstruck by ACDC. Okay. Once I play that, I'm like, Fire, let's go. Well, let's go. I'm like, all right, Dave, what's going on? Let's go. Excellent. You know? But that's, uh, and, and it's like NLP, Tony Robbins talking about neuro-linguistic programming. Every time I listen to that song, initially fires, uh, triggers me. And I don't play that song for anything else. Okay. okay? Only when I speak. Uh, when I'm lifting weights, I listen to Triumph by Wu-Tang Clan. Okay. But that's nice. a heavy, hardcore rap that just gets me going. I think when, um, and then when I wrote the book, it was just some uh, really, uh, it's called um, Music for Creativity by Dr. Murillo, some no-name guy. But I found it on Spotify, like concentration music. And mm. I played that song over and over again. And then it's on repeat. You know, well, my son, I when he was young, I made a video of him of baseball highlights. When he was six years old, he did pretty well. To Eye of the Tiger by Survivor. It's a short three-minute clip. So <laughs> every day, every time we go to a game, that's all we play in the car on yeah. repeat. We play maybe, it's, it's an hour drive. We play maybe 30 times on repeat. But that's conditioning himself. 
Fantastic. Do you know what I once uh, I once DJed at a wedding for some for some friends of mine and um and it felt a bit like that car journey because they had two tunes they wanted me to play. Uh, and sorry, I call them tunes. So, so two yeah. two songs I want to play. One was the uh, one one was Eye of the Tiger, and the other was the uh, the, the the theme from the Baywatch uh, series uh, <laughs> back in the. So and 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 I thought, which well, you know what, a fine, I'll, I'll play it for these people. That's what they want. It's their wedding day. But I didn't realise they were going to come and ask me to play these two tunes like six or seven times each. So <laughs> I needn't have got together the rest of the set because that's all they wanted to hear. But it's uh, it's great. But music's important right it kind of yeah. it kind of it triggers gets emotions. Into, yeah yeah exactly exactly and you need that kind of energy to drive you on and some and what about to to chill out then what sort of music do you listen to to chill out when i uh i love this question by the way you when you sent me the pre-question some were pretty hard so you hmm. better ask me those questions so i'm like oh my goodness if no one's asked me those questions um <laughs> so the chill out i don't really chill i'm a very chill person but when i work <laughs> right i like yeah. progressive trance Right. Program when I work because no lyrics. Yeah. It's a fast beat. I really like that. Okay. I got discovered that a couple of years ago. I used to listen to uh, vocal trance. That's good for like working out, biking. Um, but progressive trance is something I I do creative work. Uh, mm. just work in general. I listen to that. You know, yeah, yeah. I'm still into the 80s when I when I'm mentally tired doing admin work. I may listen to some old 80s, new wave stuff. Uh so yeah. That's good. That's good. I love. I love. I love music. So, um, so yeah. So I'm. I'm quite into um, mainly mainly sort of funky house music, but also quite some quite heavy guitar guitar stuff as well. Uh, but um, but I love. I love when I'm just. I'm just. Um, in that kind of a new, neutral space, listening to kind of like U, U, European kind of deep house music that just mm. rolls. I love music that yeah. just rolls, and there's yeah, almost just doesn't do anything. A couple of bleeps here and there, and I, I, some people probably think it's just a waste of time, but I just love it. it no, does, I love like, that amazing. type of stuff. I love it, especially gets you going. Mm. You know, mm. especially yeah. when you're tired and you need to do like admin work, grants and stuff. That just keeps you going. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay, cool. So, um, so what's your what what would be your perfect weekend then? Perfect weekend would be, um, I guess, right now what I'm doing, just baseball tournaments with my boys, mm. seeing them do well. Yeah. And where does the passion for baseball come from? Yeah, I was, um, baseball was my first love. And then actually later on, got into basketball, played college basketball. But sports was my first love. Um, I actually didn't follow baseball for over 25 years. I, I just knew a little bit. It didn't wasn't into it anymore. But when my oldest son got into it, all of a sudden the nostalgia. Right. The, again, it's triggering the memories. Right. It's just like the person playing the Baywatch and the Iron Tiger, triggering memories. And that got brought back all these memories. Like I haven't, there's all buried deep inside of me when I, from I was six years old to like 12 years old, all I want to do is be a professional baseball player. I totally forgot about it. So <laughs> that got me back into baseball cards and everything. So that's where the passion comes from. I feel like, and my parents, by the way, they were like a typical Asian parents, no sports because they didn't want me to affect my schoolwork. So okay. no organized sports. Yeah, uh, they wouldn't let me play literally. So all I do is play my friends. I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I had a lot of fun, you know. Uh, so doing all this stuff with my boys, I feel like I'm reliving my childhood, and Fantastic. it's great to see. It's great to see them have fun as well. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. So is that what makes you lose track, lose track of time then? Absolutely. Like yesterday, we were there. We left at eight forty-five and uh, got back at nine p.m. An hour drive. I think it's, it's also the bonding time, right? Yeah. Like. A lot of the uh, mindset when I'm within the car with my son, teaching him the mindset, teaching them like the law of attraction, positive thinking. So it's just a lot of the stuff we talked about. It's the, yeah, in the field is the baseball time, in the car ride. That's when, and a lot of times I play self development. He's old enough, 11. I play Bob Proctor in there. I play The Secret. I play 
you know, some Joe Osteen. I play some positive. It was part Jim Rohn positivity in there. Brilliant, brilliant, and uh, yeah, it's quite interesting because my my daughters are uh, uh, seventeen nearly and nineteen nearly, so uh, so they're a little they're a little bit less compliant now with uh, with listening <laughs> with listening to the sort of stuff that I that I'd like them to listen to now. But um, but yeah, but it's it's really really good to start 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 early with that kind of thing. I think and just have that kind of positive um uh, you know kind of environment as you say yeah. was one of the steps right so so that positive environment and then it's then about knowing then as a parent okay so how then do you let go and, and let them make their own decisions because that's really important too yeah absolutely the mind everything. yeah yeah exactly exactly okay good so um is there any such thing as a stupid question never okay good that's that's just as well that i asked that question that was it you know what the stupidest question was that question. <laughs> There's no stupid question. <laughs> no, no, perfect, perfect. And what makes you cry with laughter? I don't know. I'm not really, you know, uh, I think I actually thought hard about this was uh, probably something from Seinfeld. I like mm. Seinfeld a lot. And, and before I speak on stage, I'm sharing people with my secrets here. Normally, uh, if I'm flying somewhere on the plane, I'll download a Seinfeld, uh, one or two couple of episodes, and I'll watch them. And I found like the more I listen to them, then when I speak, I actually become funny. No, oh, brilliant. Well, there you go. Well, you've 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 been quite funny today as well. So, uh, so hey, you yeah. didn't ask me the well. Thank you for that. You didn't ask me the question. I just well, I'll let you go. And there's one question you, you haven't asked me yet. But I prepared for so long, made me think for so long because your well, questions you, are so good. You you tell me what question you want me to ask you. The album. Okay, so what's your favorite album of all time? You know, um, I don't. I was like, I don't listen to albums anymore because <laughs> I don't. First, I don't listen to pop music. Um, but I listen to Spotify playlists, right? I think most people don't listen to albums anymore. So it's like, wow, the album's dating myself. I thought back, which album? And I think most of my followers, I have a lot of followers on Facebook, Instagram. I don't even think any of them know this answer to this. And I thought hard, it would be it take a nation of millions to hold us back by public enemy. That because it was at that time, I, I must have listened to that album literally thousands of times on cassette back then. I yeah. think this is my favorite album because at that time I was doing lost. At that time, when I listened to, it, I didn't even understand the half the lyrics back then. I just like the beats and the hardcore rap. And I, at that time, it was also so searching, and I, that resonated with me. You know, yeah. I felt that 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 music, that angry music, that was part of me. So I like that album because it makes me nostalgic. It makes me think back to my past and how much I've grown. Mm -hmm. And I still enjoy the music and stuff. So yeah, yeah. lately, recently, I just went back and started listening to it after like probably three decades of it yeah yeah i i love i love find, finding albums that um that, that that i've not listened to for for 30 years or whatever it's just just amazing and uh, uh so yeah so i'm 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 in i'm into a bit of old school hip hop as well. Um, I, I I preferred NWA to Public Enemy. I was, that that was on that <laughs> I was on that side of the tracks. Um, and um, and yeah, and but also a lot of guitar bands as well. They're now kind of doing their thirty year anniversary tours and yeah. coming back round. And you know, some most of the but those bands they've still got both, most of the band members still alive and all that sort of stuff. And it's brilliant going and hearing this music being played live and uh, and just seeing that them because they still absolutely love it. You can tell that they love actually playing their music and the um the kind of response they get from the crowd uh there's not as much long hair in the crowd for some of these guitar bands <laughs> as there was 30 years ago but but they absolutely love it and so yeah music music's awesome brilliant hey here's another one here's another album. i just remembered it. i don't know i don't know why i didn't think about it one of my favorite albums ranks up there and this is a totally different genre but around the same time is inspired british british group uh kiss um kiss me kiss me kiss me by the cure 
Oh, yeah. Because you, do, you talk about guitars and brought back memories. Those yeah. albums at that time, I was just so searching different music. Public Enemy, uh, The Cure, uh, yeah. awesome albums. So. Yeah, brilliant. And and The Cure, one of those bands who are touring. <laughs> right I know, because you said touring. That's, yeah. why I, that's what made me think about it. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Brilliant. Well, there you go. That's fantastic. Well, I'm glad we've covered those questions then. Yes. We, we've opened it up a little bit. So to open it up a little bit more then, um, you, you've, you've talked about consistency. You've talked about lessons that you've learned um, and how you want to have a positive impact on as many people as possible. Uh, but but you've also talked in your book about uh, failures and about mm. how to overcome those kind of setbacks. So So tell us about perhaps your biggest failure and what you learned from that and how you learned to overcome failures going forwards. This was another one that was tough to answer because I don't think I have a biggest failure. I have many, many, many failures, um, many, many setbacks and frustrating times. My biggest failure, you know, I, I wouldn't even consider failure, but it was during the challenging time. Uh, one of my most challenging time was when we were about to open the Malaysia market back in the uh, mid 2000s. And I know I just had a vision to go out there and build a huge network marketing organization in that country. I didn't know anything about a culture, nothing. I just went online to some advertising and Google AdWords, found prospects, hopped on a plane and went there. And um, I went there too early, bad timing, trusted wrong people. Uh, that, don't get me wrong, Malaysians are awesome, but it's just like anything, there's one or two bad apples. And got scammed a little bit, got screwed a little bit, hurt my reputation, uh, almost got me... Yeah, lost almost made me lose my business. Um, that was probably the toughest time. But you know what? Those are the best lessons. You either win or you learn. And I learned a tremendously amount there. So when two years later, when they opened up the Philippines market, I was well more seasoned, uh, much better wisdom, business experience. And I got lucky in Philippines and built a huge organization there. So of like 80,000 people very quickly uh, for downlines. But awesome. none of that would have happened if I didn't go through the pain and the stuff in uh, in Malaysia. Okay, wow. Because in, in your book, you talk about uh, the importance of, of of celebrating failure. Yeah. And, yeah. So, and I think, I guess I'm celebrating it now by talking about it. Right. And I, and I, right? And it's like the, your worst moments are the raw materials for your future success. Yeah, yeah. And your worst moments are the stories you'd be sharing on, the, on stage or yeah. on a platform like this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but back then I was pretty mis miserable because I hadn't really made that that much money yet. Now I was investing so much in Malaysia and uh, things didn't work out for like a long time. And I mm. think, and I think this was probably one of your follow-up questions you're going to ask me is like, your, the temptation to quit is greatest when success is right around the corner. I always remember that. And I was about to quit that market. And just when I was about to, like three months about to quit, Three months later, I said, let's not quit. I said, pull out. I, you know, I had an apartment in Kuala Lumpur and spending so much time, the flights back and forth. Just when I was about to quit, then the breakthrough happened. And we grew a pretty big team there. Wow. Okay. And so, and so did you learn at that, at that, I guess what I'm trying to understand is how, how can you kind of, um, uh, well, what advice, I suppose, the question I'm, I'm asking you is, what advice can you give somebody who might be going through a similar kind of situation to that when when, when you feel like giving up and you don't see that there's any other option but to give up? It, it's really tough, isn't it, to kind of just, just to keep on carrying on because you, you, you're worrying yeah. that you're throwing good money after bad and all that kind of thing. So is there a thought process that you go through in your mind now to kind of make those decisions? Yeah, absolutely. I think. 
you know, I, I was blessed. It, that never, it hasn't never really been a challenge for me. I learned from my late mentor, Jim Rohn, who says, in order for your income to change, you must change. Hmm. That's the core. I used to you know, talk about programming when I would go work out for my runs. That's what I listened to back and forth. When I was struggling in the beginning, that didn't make any much money. And the second quote is, um, don't wish for less problems, wish for more wisdom. So that I always carry that. And when things don't go well, don't blame the government, don't blame the economy, don't blame, there's only one person to blame, it's yourself. Hmm. So I think that has helped me overcome. It has never been, I never really, when the challenges come, I never really get down. I always look at, hey, in order for your income to change, you must change. Don't wish for less problems, wish for more wisdom. So the problem is me, it's the thinking, right? How am I thinking? How do I have to think differently? Maybe I think this is the way to do it. No, but that means that's not the way to do it. I'm not telling you to quit, but your approach, your marketing approach, or maybe you're reaching out to the wrong people, or the way you're communicating, or maybe something in your presentation, or maybe the way you're leading, right? Or maybe that's the wrong person. You have to change the way you think. Yeah. And once you obviously, once you change the, the way you think, uh, and it's like you know, wearing glasses. If you're wearing, if I was wearing like blue tinted glasses, Dave, you'd be blue. Mm -hmm. And as long as I had those glasses on, it doesn't matter what you say. I know, Dave, the, you're blue and the screen is blue. My computer is blue. My desk is blue. You're blue. It's like, no, Simon's not. It's like, no, Dave, you're lying to me. You're, you're blue <laughs> because I have the glasses on. Yeah. Right? As long as I have the glasses on, it doesn't matter what you say other people are. But once you take the glasses off, like, oh, my goodness, the, the, the whole room here, you look different. Yeah. And in any problem, we have the glasses on, right? Because if you, you have to take off those glasses because I'm guaranteed whatever, if you're listening to this, whatever problem you're facing, you brought in someone else who doesn't, it's not wearing those glasses, they can solve that problem really quickly. But you can't because you're thinking, you're blinded by the way you think. So yeah. that is something that's, uh, that's helped me out. Just be aware that you, we are the problem. Change the thinking. And that's why sometimes getting coaching, accountability will help. So of course, like, you, like your friend who's caught you in complaining. Yeah. Right? You, were wearing that, you were wearing the complaining sunglasses. You weren't even aware of it. Yeah. And your friend caught you. That's how we get better. And now you realize, oh, this is why I, now I got, I got to be careful of that. And that's mm. how we get better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, but one of my mentors uh, said to me quite a few times is uh, when things, when things are like they're not working out, um, it's very often not the goal that you need to change. It's the strategy that you need to change. Yeah. And I suppose, um, is there something in the consistency pill which helps you to keep an eye on that every single day because because you're into a routine and you, and you're into that consistency, um, you know it, it perhaps helps you. It teaches you lessons on a daily basis, so you're more able to change that strategy whilst keeping your eye on the goal. Yeah, absolutely. That's just that's why it's component five. Component number five is tracking. Mm. You got track your progress, right? Mm. So there's certain things you got to track. So going back to the checklist, what do you track? If you're in the sales business. Tracking sales, maybe tracking presentations. How many people in your funnel? How many people watching a presentation? What's your closing closing rate? And if one a lot of numbers are good, but one number is not good, there's a bottleneck there. You got to change the strategy yeah. because that is so. You're that's why what doesn't get measured doesn't get tracked by the Peter Drucker. You have to track your progress. Yeah, brilliant. The analytics, cool, cool. the numbers, they don't lie. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. Very true. Cool. So, um, and you, so you again in your book, you you say. You define success in your book as achieving the income goals you set for your business. And yet you say purpose is greater than money. So which comes first, profit or purpose? Great question. Okay, uh, 
a very good question. The purpose comes first. Because if you don't have the purpose, because the reality is the journey is often brutal. Right. At the end of the day, it's awesome. Right. But along the path, it's not fun. It's going to be up and downs, up and downs, up and down. But the end result is going to be fun. But you got to get there. Uh, and actually, you can say there's no end result. There's one good time. The really end result is knowing you've endured and grown during that process. And how can, what's going to give you the stamina and focus to go through that process is your purpose. Because hmm. money alone doesn't. So, you, so some of you may make a million dollars, right? I, I hit a six, seven figures. I'm going go for eight figures. Or you go for eight figures. And then what? You can still feel empty. Like after you reach a certain amount of money, it doesn't give you any more happiness. Now, they've done studies that, like, I think in the US it's 80,000. If you earn below 80,000 and you make more money, it'll make you happier. But once you get above 80,000, someone's making like your business 1 million versus 1.1 million doesn't give you hap more happiness. Yeah. If it's your purpose. Yeah. Right. So the purpose is going to fuel you to do what it takes to be successful in your business. Yeah. Fantastic. Brilliant. Okay. Cool. So a couple of closing questions now, then. So, um, who inspires you the oh, most? Yeah, yeah, yeah. One more, one more question. One more thing I want to add because I thought about this. Um, when you talk about the, I, that's why I asked you how much time we have because I love to talk. Okay, good. It's weird for a quiet kid. So you talk about the worst moment, right? One of the worst failures, and this is talk about purpose. This is before I read Purpose Driven Life. Right. And my job at that time, I had a chance to go for uh, win this big project, and I put all my time into it. That was my life. And then when things didn't work out. I remember this was in uh, June of 2000, in 2002. I felt really, really, really empty. And, and I was young at that time. I never felt that type of emptiness before. Mm. You know, like, what's the purpose of this, right? I, I, that, was my, that was my life. And again, we're talking about this. This was like 20 years ago. I totally, it's not something I bring up, but I felt really empty. So when I got started, and this was at a job, I didn't get the project, I felt empty. So what? I didn't get it. So when I got started with business, I realized it's got to be, and I, by the way, when I was going to win that project, right, I had all these friends that came up. I was very popular. Oh, I was, I was popular. So I thought I was good. But once I didn't get that, all these friends left. And I was just like, well, those are fake friends. And that actually ended up, why am I doing this for? Because yeah. all I did was just because I want to get this thing, get this money, this thing. So what? So that's what made me being purpose driven. Because when I got started the business, I can't just be business alone. Because if it's just about money alone, so what? You're going to be unhappy. And there's a lot of rich people who are very, very unhappy. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But also there's a bit about purpose, which, um, so, so in my experience, it was a case of have, having a purpose uh, enabled me to stop thinking about myself as well. Uh, yeah. So, because sometimes if you just, if you think think about yourself, but but it's in a kind of a, in a way that doesn't serve you um, and you're thinking about, okay, so who, who am I doing this for? Then actually, that means that th that balance between doing something selfishly and doing something selflessly, because you've got to get something out of it, right? It's got to feel good. Right. You've got to get that fulfillment or paid or whatever it is. But if you're doing something for somebody else, then that actually takes the focus away from you as an individual, uh, and and it just just means that you that you then are able to be um, you know more objective. You can use that emotional energy and harness that and channel that as a force for good, if you like, rather than a force for kind of going in on yourself and and things imploding inside of you and getting that sense where you don't feel that you're good enough and all that kind of yeah. thing. So it also it keeps you from uh, preventing you from quitting, right? Because we often quit on ourselves, but right. we won't quit on others. Right? right. If it's just about me, then I'm not going to go through this journey too hard. I'll quit. Yeah. But purpose, yeah. hey.
that is, and then you're not going to quit. You can stay there, right? I think that's um, an example of that is if you do something, set an example for kids. Yeah. Right. Like you always want to set a good example for your daughters. If it's a small little thing, hey, I forget. I'm not going to do it for myself. Who cares? But hey, you want to set an example for your daughters or create something for them? We, we often parents won't quit. It's yeah. the same thing. You want to make a bigger impact on people. Uh, and that's why I like to talk about. I like to share my goals and stuff with other people on live videos and my follow my social media because I feel like when I do that, it prevents me from quitting. It's mm-hmm. kind of like um, it's accountability. Right. Those people are holding me accountable, so I do what I need to do. Yeah, brilliant, excellent, cool, cool. Okay, so um, who's your inspiration then? I would say my mom because right. um, she was self. You know, in the eighties. Uh, she met a bad apple in real estate and lost almost all. My dad was making really good money as a doctor and basically lost all their money on bad real estate investment deal. Someone like kind of scammed them. She had no idea. But instead of quitting, she self-taught and then basically taught herself to day trade. Um, did very, very well. And th- my dad actually retired. I had a good practice and retired 10, 15 years early from that. So just right. going through. I remember that time I was young. See my mom and cry and cry all the time. And mm-hmm. But she never quit. So she's a source of inspiration. Awesome. And who 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 gave you uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad the book to read? That's a funny story. Okay, so you're getting me into another story. I was dating a girl. I had a good job, yeah. but didn't pay much. But I thought, oh, this guy is so cool. And she's like, well, but he doesn't pay you any money, right? So it, I worked at the NBA, the National Basketball Association. I was a mm-hmm. huge basketball fan. So I was going to do the NBA games for free, but like, you're not making any money. Well, her, she was very business-minded, and she read Rich Dad Poor Dad. And so you got to read her dad gave her that book. So you got to read this book. And, you know, and then we broke up, right? So she never respected me for whatever. I was making very little money. Um, so anyway, by the time she was 25, she owned like three rental properties. I was making passive income while I'm still struggling at this job that pays no money. So she was the one who told me I have to thank her for telling me about Rich Dad Poor Dad. Excellent. Good, good, good. Um, well, maybe she's listening. You never know. <laughs> Okay, cool. But that's a really cool story about your mum as well. I, I I love that. And um, yeah, and you you also mentioned you you were fortunate with the values that you got brought up with earlier on and all that as well. So I think that, I think that's really really helpful if you if you can kind of recognise uh, what it, what's going on in your past and how that plays forward into into your future. Uh, and sometimes people uh, kind of want to move away from things in their past, don't they? But actually, you got to have something to move towards. And again, yes. that's another reason why. Uh, for me, purpose is is so important. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, cool. So look, so what what uh, what's the most important lesson then that you've learned in life? Success is a letdown. The thrills in the pursuit. So enjoy the journey. Be purpose driven. Amazing. Well, listen, Simon Chan, it's been amazing talking to you. I really, really appreciate you coming on. Uh, People with purpose. It's been so cool to talk to you. Uh, how can people find out more about your work and follow you? Uh, easy to thank first of all, first of all, thank you for having me on the show. You're an amazing host. You made a lot of fun. I could feel I could talk to you for hours and hours. It's really fun. I love the questions as well. I love the music stuff as well. Um, <laughs> you can uh, everyone could find me on Instagram or Facebook, Simon Chan, Simon W Chan, or just go to simonwchan.com. Brilliant. And I highly recommend the book. I've read it. But in the book, it says there's somebody who never finishes a book. You find something to implement, and then uh, and then and then never finish a book. But I would recommend reading the book and finishing this one because the consistency bit is a really good read. So, uh, thank you, Simon Chan, for coming on the show. Thank you for having me, Dave. Ton of fun. Thanks for listening to People with Purpose. I hope you've enjoyed the show and are enjoying going on this journey. Please remember to like and subscribe 
and give us a five-star review. Uh, tell all your friends. And if you're interested in finding out more about any of the things we've covered in this episode of People With Purpose, just get in touch. All the details are in the show notes. Thanks. Bye. Bye.